You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. The Magento e-commerce platform's been brute-forced. Android Trojan steals messaging information. NJ Rat gets an update and some new and trendy criminal functionality. We've got notes on the Panera Bread data breach. A major U.S. natural gas pipeline operator has its customer billing and scheduling system hacked. Russia thinks the U.S. and U.K. are no longer as decent and trustworthy as they used to be during the Cold War. And another data scandal class action suit is filed. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, April 3rd, 2018. Flashpoint reports that e-commerce sites running on the popular open-source Magento platform are undergoing brute-force attacks designed to scrape credentials and then install cryptocurrency mining malware. Flashpoint says its researchers know of at least 1,000 Magento admin panels the attackers have compromised, and they say dark web operators have shown a strong interest in Magento since 2016. Part of the problem lies with users retaining default passwords. Flashpoint recommends enforcing password complexity requirements, restricting users from recycling passwords, enabling two-factor authentication, and using password managers. Trustlook researchers have identified a new Android Trojan designed to take data from a number of widely used messaging apps. They found the malware inside the Chinese app Cloud Module. The malware itself has the package name com.android.boxa. The apps being targeted include Skype, Facebook Messenger, Twitter, Telegram, WeChat, Weibo, Viber, Line, Coco, BTalk, Momo, Voxer Walkie Talkie Messenger, Groovio Magic Call, and Talkbox Voice Messenger. It appears to do just one thing, extract and exfiltrate messaging data. That singularity of focus suggests to some, Bleeping Computer concludes, that the attackers are looking for private conversations, video, and images they might be able to use in extortion attempts. Zscaler warns that NJRAT has been updated with ransomware and cryptocurrency stealing capabilities. NJRAT has been in circulation since 2013. The new version, which Zscaler is calling NJRAT Lime Edition, includes DDoS capability as well as ransomware and Bitcoin looting functionality. 
It retains more familiar capabilities, including a keylogger and screen locker. We talk a lot about insider threats, and I have to admit, whenever the topic comes up, I can't help but thinking about the 1979 suspense classic, When a Stranger Calls. We've traced the call. It's coming from inside the house. My squad car is going over there right now. Just get out of that house. My sister, in particular, used to lose a lot of sleep over that one. In the cybersecurity biz, insider threats aren't quite so dramatic and hopefully aren't a life-or-death situation, but they can be scary, and I'm willing to bet there's no shortage of security professionals who lose sleep worrying about them. Mike McKee is CEO at Observit, where they specialize in insider threat prevention, and he joins us to take a bit of the mystery out of the topic. The state of where we stand right now is there are too many people saying, I don't know, uh, whether it's I don't know how that data got out. I don't know how big my risk is. I don't know who I should be worried about. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact that cybersecurity has traditionally been focused on the external threat, the malware, the ransomware, the hackers. You hear lots about that. You don't hear as much about the insider threat, whether that be a vendor, contractor, employee. A, because companies don't want to talk about that as much. It's a lot easier to talk about Russia and China than it is your own employees sending files out. And as a result, there just isn't that much visibility on how big that risk is and really how people get files out. But they do know that, you know, a disproportionate greater than 50 percent of data breaches involve someone on the inside. And is it the situation where by the time we get to data exfiltration, you've already had a bunch of things go wrong? Yes and no. I mean, there's the the two sides of the camp. There's the malicious actor and there's the uninformed actor. You know, it's our belief, actually, that there are a lot of early warning signals to both of those folks. If you do have good visibility and you do have good detection, you'll see those early warning signals. We always use the expression, you'll see the smoke before the fire and stop bad things from, you know, getting out of control or getting really hurtful to an organization. And so what kind of early warning signals are you talking about? Yeah, I mean, there's some basic things, you know, whether it's printing files after hours, going to cloud file sharing services, elevating privileges, uh, sending out large documents, downloading certain applications from the web. Uh, Quite often you'll see those early warning signs uh, pretty early. What about uh, shadow IT, where where folks who are just looking to get their work done, they feel like IT is telling them no, so they find workarounds, and, and that's where you end up with a security problem. Yeah, I'll use another uh, example of myself. You know, I often say when I'm at conferences and I pull out my USB drive and I madly fix the presentation on the way to the conference and, you know, I copy it on my USB disk. I then plug that into the laptop uh, where the conference presenter is and later I plug it back into my computer, uh, which is not a very security conscious move. And our security folks here have told me that. But to your point, you're trying to get your job done. And I tell you, you see the same thing with cloud file sharing services. You see the same thing with Gmail. I mean, sometimes you can send a file, a large file via Gmail, easier than you can a corporate Outlook system. Quite often, and once again, one thing that we try to do is identify the barriers to people getting their work done that are causing them to go outside the rules or outside the security policies, because sometimes those can be easy fix for an organization such that their employees don't have to go outside the rules to get their job done. So in your mind, how much of the solutions to these sorts of things are a technology thing and how much of it is a person-to-person educational type of thing? Yeah, you know, I I always say it's people process technology in that order, which is sort of weird for a technology vendor to say. 
But on the people side, it's, you know, it used to be the case that you wanted to know where your critical assets were. Uh, on the people side now, it's knowing who those high-risk users are, who are those people that have access to very valuable information and may be in a position to be sending that information out. So it's very important to have education, to your point. It's very important to processes. Uh, I always say insider threat's a team sport because you're dealing with people, not with machines. And as a result, you have to have good processes between HR, legal, IT, and InfoSec. And then obviously technology can help you along the way. But technology by itself isn't going to be the silver bullet if you don't have a lot of education, a lot of buy-in organizationally, and people know what's happening and know what they're allowed to do and not allowed to do, as well as processes for when things start to go wrong. Uh, and then it all starts with visibility and that you know, you can have fancy artificial intelligence or machine learning or heuristics or whatever the word of the day is, but it's only as good as the data that you have. And that data needs to give you a very comprehensive view around what people are doing, as well as alerts that give you early indication when they're doing something outside of the policies. That's Mike McKee. He's the CEO of ObserveIt. Panera Bread is receiving poor reviews for the security of its online ordering system in the wake of the data breach disclosed yesterday by Krebs on Security. Lost data includes customer names, their email and physical addresses, their birthdays and the last four digits of their credit card numbers. Millions of customers who ordered food online from PaneraBread.com are potentially affected, but the company has told Reuters that not only is the issue resolved, but that Panera has concluded that less than 10,000 customers were potentially affected. Panera was, according to Graham Cluley, who has an account on Bitdefender's Hot for Security site, notified of the problem back in August by researcher Dylan Hoylahan, but were slow to either believe his disclosure or take action. The company's site was still experiencing problems as recently as yesterday, and the true number of customers whose data may have been lost seems to most observers likely to be significantly higher than Panera's estimated ceiling of 10,000. Energy Transfer Partners, a major U.S. natural gas pipeline operator, announced Monday that its operations were being affected by a cyber attack against its electronic data interchange. The interchange, which expedites shipping and billing to customers by machine-to-machine document transfers, is a third-party system provided by Energy Services Group, LLC. There's been no attribution. Investigation and remediation are continuing. It's worth noting that the attack affects IT systems and not, insofar as is known, OT systems. Energy Transfer Partners says operations will continue during remediation. The attack, which appears to be the work of criminals and not state espionage services, has reminded many of recent U.S. government warnings that Russian cyber operators are conducting apparent battle space preparation of U.S. infrastructure. Phil Nire, VP of Industrial Cybersecurity at Boston-based CyberX, realizes that while this isn't the grid-killing attack so many people fear, it's a disturbing harbinger of what may come. Nire said, quote, The FBI DHS alert makes it clear that our critical infrastructure is in the crosshairs of our adversaries. This looks like a financially motivated cyber attack, likely by cyber criminals, but we've seen in the past that cyber criminals often collaborate with nation states and share hacking tools with each other. It's easy to imagine a ransomware attack that uses nation state tools to hijack ICS SCADA systems and hold the pipeline hostage for millions of dollars per day. End quote. 
It's natural that such thoughts should turn to Russia during this period of heightened tensions recently made worse by Russia's attempted assassination by nerve agents of Sergei Skripal, a former GRU officer who spied on behalf of Britain's MI6, and Skripal's daughter Yulia in Salisbury, England. There have been no further diplomatic expulsions over the episode, but Russian Foreign Minister Lavrov, for his part, thinks U.S.-Russian relations are worse than they were during the Cold War. The U.S. and U.K. in particular have lost, Mr. Lavrov says, the sense of decency they once possessed and are now engaged in full-on disinformation. Other Russian officials complain of the West backing Russia into a corner. The Russian line concerning the Salisbury attack has been that it was an Anglo-American provocation and that Russia should be provided with evidence showing that Moscow was involved. U.S. President Trump has been in conversations with French President Macron and German Chancellor Merkel concerning a coordinated response to Russian actions in the U.K. and elsewhere. New U.S. National Security Advisor Bolton is said to favor a hard line against Russian cyber operations in particular, urging that the U.S. undertake cyber reprisals that would be, as Bolton put it, disproportionate. One espionage case is unusual in that both the Russians and the Americans want the same man. FSB officer Dmitry Dokukayov agreed to plead partially guilty in a Russian court to sharing information with a foreign intelligence service, presumably an American one. Dokukayov is in trouble with both sides in the spy versus spy squabble. The FBI also wants him in connection with the Yahoo breach. They've got him on a wanted poster and everything. Finally, class action lawsuits in the Facebook and Cambridge Analytica data scandal continue to accumulate. The latest one has been filed in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York, alleging blatant disregard and misuse of sensitive personal data. There will surely be more like this to come. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. 
Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And joining me once again is Jonathan Katz. He's a professor of computer science at the University of Maryland and also director of the Maryland Cybersecurity Center. Jonathan, welcome back. Uh, I saw a story come by, and it was talking about isogeny-based post-quantum crypto. Now, you and I have, uh, have sort of joked about how you throw the word quantum into anything cryptography-related, and people's ears perk up. Uh, but isogeny-based crypto is something that I'm unfamiliar with. Can you explain to us what are we talking about here? Well, let me first of all set a little bit of the context. Uh, you know, many of the listeners might know that there's a big concern now about the possible advent of quantum computers, which would basically be able to break all the public key cryptography that we're currently using on the Internet. So people uh, in general are now actively trying to design what are called post-quantum cryptosystems that would remain secure even against a quantum computer. And in fact, uh, NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, is currently running a public competition to try to vet uh, some algorithms that would have this post-quantum security. And uh, isogeny-based cryptography is basically one of these methods that people are proposing that uh, is a new method. It's not, not something that's currently deployed or that's currently in use, but it's uh, something that people believe might have a chance of being resistant even to quantum computers. Can you share some of the details uh, of, of it without uh, getting too in the weeds mathematically? Well, I can try. <laughs> At a high level, actually, it's very similar to uh, Diffie-Hellman Key Exchange, if people are familiar with that concept, uh, where basically you have two users, each with uh, their own secret, and based on their, their own secret and some public information, they're able to compute a shared key. And so it's the same underlying idea here. The biggest difference is that rather than working in uh, kind of a regular group, what's called an abelian group, um, they're using a more general mathematical structure. And the reason for that is because quantum computers are able to, are able to solve, actually, the, um, uh, the hard computational problem uh, on, on abelian groups, but they're not able to solve it on, these, uh, on systems based on these isogenies. So they're taking advantage of, uh, I, I guess, uh, what, uh, a thing that the quantum computers aren't as good at. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're taking advantage of a hard computational problem uh, based on elliptic curves, but, but actually I want to stress it's different from the elliptic curve cryptography that's already in use. Um, but it's a problem based on elliptic curves, and, uh, and that problem we currently don't know how to solve uh, on a quantum computer or on a classical computer uh, efficiently. So it seems like a promising potential candidate for uh, quantum-resistant cryptography. And where are we along with this? Are we still just in the research stage, or is this something we'll see anytime soon? Uh, definitely in the research stage. Actually, I was looking uh, earlier today um, because, like I said, NIST is running this public competition, and you can go online and take a look, actually, at all the algorithms that have been submitted. And it looks like there's only been one uh, algorithm submitted uh, based on uh, isogenies, uh, whereas there are some other techniques, for example, lattices, uh, that have a lot more submissions really based on that, based on those techniques. So it looks like people are still very unsure about how these isogeny-based crypto systems are going to play out and what kind of security they can get, but it's definitely uh, an interesting area of research. All right. Jonathan Katz, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security 
by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing Cyberwire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Vaughn, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Hey, listeners. We're always looking for ways to improve the N2K CyberWire network and maintain the intelligence-driven news experience that keeps you in the know on the latest developments in cybersecurity. We've launched our 2024 audience survey and would love for you to take a few minutes to share your feedback. And hey, there's even a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you complete the survey. Visit cyberwire.com survey. That's cyberwire.com survey and share your feedback now. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the dark net, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire.